You're listening to the Can Dare Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley, and I'm alone in the studio this week because we're doing something a little different this week. Uh, you've probably heard us talk in the past, if you're an avid listener, about our other show, What If, that uh, we started actually as a spinoff of Canned Air. And um, our avid listeners might also know that, uh, you know, back, I think it was episode 190, the first one we did, What If Disney Never Existed? And the ramifications of uh, not having Disney on the world. It was an amazing conversation and uh, spawned a slew of episodes that uh, we aired here on the Candare format and then we eventually gave it its own show. So uh, we wanted to bring you uh, one of the episodes that seems to be doing extremely well on that show. It's What If We Could Control the Weather. And, uh, you know, the ones we did here on Candare. Uh, were more science fiction uh, related, pop culture related, where we were just kind of looking at uh, general things that humans, you know, that people have dreamed of having or still want, you know, uh, mythical things that aren't true, you know, what if they were, just all kinds of different scenarios on the real world and, you know, the, the effects it has on the world, the butterfly effect from said uh, change. So, anyway, I'll quit rambling. And uh, let you enjoy this episode. But before we do that, don't forget to follow us on uh, Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon.com uh, forward slash CannedAirPod. And throw a few bucks our way. You'll get access to the Canned Air uh, Patreon pod. It's exclusive to Patreon backers at $5 or more. And it's a good show. We uh, Again, we do it every month. And uh, the more backers we get, the more likely we are to start posting uh, more on that format. So uh, head over there, throw a few bucks our way. It helps us more than you realize. And if you can't do that, then just head to iTunes, give us a review. And uh, I tell you what, that goes a long way as well. So anything you can do to help support would be great, if not just listening. So once again, enjoy this episode. I'm just going to uh, put it in its original format right after this, and I'm not going to be coming back at the end of it. So I hope you enjoy it, and uh, thanks so much for listening. Support for What If comes from listeners like you. Head over to patreon.com forward slash what if to become a patron and get access to more new episodes. You can also comment and subscribe in iTunes. It helps more than you realize. Thanks so much. Now on with the show. The weather is one of the most powerful and important factors of our lives that we just can't control. As much as we need the rain, we sing for it to come again another day. Until it stops altogether, then we pray for it to return. Wouldn't it be nice if we could choose when and where the weather turns? If we could stop droughts, halt blizzards, and redirect storms? Would it be a path to incredible power or another step towards self-destruction? This week we ask, what if we could control the weather? Thank you. 
Podcast. Hello, everyone. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Jack Doherty. And this week on What If, we're going to be talking about a subject that I think is going to ring through for us at this very moment with snow (laughs) falling outside the way it is. What if we could control the weather? Boy, who hasn't wished that? Yeah. (laughs) I know I have. If not on a small scale, then, you know, across the globe, everyone wants to change it. Some would say we can already, but... That's a different story. Oh, I, I, I would say. A particular <laughs> breed of conspiracy. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe we'll have to touch on that later. I'm oh, curious sure. to hear what you know about that. But uh, getting down into the how this would happen, as we typically start these things, I would have to imagine this uh, technology advancement. Yeah. You know, and I, there's, there's precedent for this. Mm-hmm. There was a project at one point, which I think just recently there was some kind of report saying that it was like feasible but prohibitively expensive to release a kind of aerosolized compound that could disperse rain clouds. Um, wow. Or maybe it had the opposite effect. Maybe it helped water to kind of coalesce kind and of create rain. Yeah. yeah. But th- there's there's interest in this kind of thing. So I think the logical assumption is we take that technology and bring it to its, you know, its conclusion and say we have the means to alter the weather as we see fit. So, but in this scenario, this real-life scenario you guys are talking about, pretty much they're talking specifically just rain clouds. It's pretty simple yeah. in that way. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I had not heard that. And things no, like I hadn't that. heard it's, that. It's one of those things that's, I think it's more PR than hard science. They say like, oh, in 15 years we can do this. We've got such and such plane that does such and such. Well, and they forgot about you know, Elon guys, Musk. Now, uh, yeah. <laughs> if he catches wind of the whole operation, assuming he hasn't already, we may see it sooner than later. No pun intended there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, I think there was a movie, actually. I can't remember the name of it, but out within the last five years where they kind of touched on this. Geostorm. Okay, yeah. and I, if I remember oh, what I saw in like trailers, they were launching like these orb kind of things up yeah. in the atmosphere, yeah. just kind of hung in the atmosphere. They had this kind of linked satellite superstructure. They had these little clusters of launchers that would fire these capsules that break apart and disrupt the atmosphere with some kind of, I don't know, or explosions and chemicals. It It seemed like the kind of thing that would take the combined wealth and resources of the entire planet to create, but whatever. I don't think anyone's going to a movie like that for absolute realism. Not just the good old states doing whatever they want with that. But yeah, it it was a series of almost looked like missiles they would fire from outside the atmosphere into low orbit and alter the weather. So I would have to imagine that's probably kind of what we'd be looking at. Yeah, if through we're satellites or a network of them, maybe. The ability to alter any kind of weather, any kind. So I think that's the route we should probably go down. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, again, this is something that is probably also controlled by higher powers than ourselves. See, I don't that's... think we're able to turn the <laughs> rain off directly above no, our house. It's not going to be know? like the Jetsons. We're like, oh, it's raining. Let's go up another 3,000 feet. And they're above the cloud. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking that. And a lot of these topics we've discussed, we've we've gone on to say like, oh, the wealthy would control such and such resource or decide who gets what. But I think in this case... Um, certainly at the base level, there would need to be an, an international council of people to handle this mm-hmm. because you've got environmental concerns, huge ones. Oh my Things God. already happen in a particular order. I, I have to imagine too much meddling could set off the kind of chain reaction you might not be able to undo. So 
Well, that's precisely what I was going to say next. You know, this very world, every single continent and the the beings that dwell on it and, you know, the either the lack of or the overabundance of green and yeah. water, you know, it shapes everything. All the weather does. Animals, you know, mm-hmm. specialized for their environment, all these people mm. and cultures. You I know? saw on planet Earth there is a an, there's an ant, a, a colony of ants. I can't remember what they're called. Maybe just silver silver ants. But these uh these guys live in a desert that is so incredibly hot nothing else can really live. <laughs> And they are sil- like a reflective silver, almost like a like a metallic looking silver. Oh, so they're not absorbing all that heat. But still, with that cover, they can only s- stand about two to three minutes in the sun. And uh, it showed these guys, you know, just running as fast as they can from their burrow to find food and get it back as quick as they can. Because wow. I know their time's limited. And, you know, as they're getting back with their food, you can see a lot of them just kind of stop and just fall and just wither right up that quickly. If you take that away, let's say that part of the earth, all of a sudden we've decided, let's let's put rain clouds here. You know, you've (laughs) already, that species of ant is probably going to disappear, I would say. They would Mm -hmm. have to. I mean, they're they're so tuned to that environment. And, And let me just say really quick. Like the magnifying glass, the classical terror weapon to use against ants. Mm-hmm. This this must be like ant hell, right? That's where bad ants go when they die, when they're always under the magnifying glass in this <laughs> desert where you can't escape the right. sunlight. Constantly running <laughs> from that strong. little beam. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you take a creature so specialized and introduce them, or, or rather radically change the environment, I'd have to imagine they would die out almost mm-hmm. overnight. Yeah. You know, there are, there are herds of animals that walk thousands of miles in their lifetime simply to arrive at a part of the planet where they know water is going to be. And if it's not there, they're kind of screwed, you know? So, or like penguins, they will swim uh miles just to mate. You know, and if you, I don't know, disrupt any of this and change any of those patterns. The ripples are huge. It's cataclysmic. These these herds of animals, like you said, buffalo or wildebeest or what have Mm -hmm. you, going from place to place. I think environmentally it's important that they do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they cause change wherever they go, whether that's creating a food source for predators or fertilizing the soil with what they leave behind. There's there's so much going on there. And I think it it sort of speaks to human arrogance that we feel like we've got a handle on it. It's like, oh, yeah, they do this because of such and such. But the, sure. the, the effects are so minute and widespread that, yeah, there, there would have to be some group uh, the the world is decided upon like these guys have the collective wisdom to decide when and if it's a good idea to alter the weather. The weather council. Uh, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think there'd only like be that. a reason to have to change the weather in certain areas. See, that's the some thing. alone. I'm sure it would start as an emergency procedure, right? right? <clears throat> only, only, yeah. For instance, you know, one being. The threat of global warming, yeah, the melting of the polar ice caps. You know, if you were able to control the temperature there, drop it severely, make sure those guys don't melt. Well, yeah, you're not taking care of global warming, but you're kind of compensating for emissions and stuff. Right. Also, you know, right now California is dealing with these horrible, horrible forest fires. If you could just turn rain on really quick. And just yeah. douse it out. You know, think of all the... If they could have done that early on before it became like a horrible mudslide hazard. Mm-hmm. You know, that... Yeah, absolutely. And I would think of like uh, disarming tsunamis off the coast of Asia and stuff. We hear about these devastating tropical storms. Sure. That just erase coastlines. If, we, mm-hmm. if anything could be done to 
disrupt that process, that's where my mind goes for the first like emergency response. No, tsunami. That's that's a result of uh, plates in the earth Earthquake. shifting. Yeah, yeah. There's, so there's a lot going on. I wouldn't. So maybe hurricanes, better word. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That's kind of where I was going with that, uh, or going to go with that rather, because yeah. To turn off a hurricane would be incredible. Think yeah. of the thousands of people who have died or lost, sure. uh, you know, everything they own to a hurricane. But there are also beneficial things that a hurricane offers, you know, spreading um, nutrients and seeds across, uh, you know, whatever part of land it yeah, happens yeah. to hit. Uh, there were, uh, let me see, I wrote down a bunch of stuff. Breaks up the red tide, whatever that means. I don't That's know, but it mess. sounds important. That's a big mess that happens down there in the... The Gulf areas. Huh. Yeah, and just spreads rain and uh, nutrients needed for plant life to live. So if you take hurricanes away for good, you might see certain uh, plants there on, you know, close to the coast and, yeah. you know, maybe a state or so inland maybe dissipate. You know, in the interest of preserving those natural benefits, I'd imagine if we have the technology to stop a hurricane in its tracks, we could just as easily create a kind of atmospheric situation where the hurricane could be redirected, right? Because you hear about storms of this nature, they're they're a little unpredictable. They'll project a path they might take, but there's always the chance they'll pivot or go in a direction that's unexpected. And, you know, usually that's that's the danger. We're not sure where it's going to end up. If you could control the surroundings such that, mm. like, oh, there's going to be a low-pressure system here, high-pressure here, it's going to pull the storm in this direction, you could probably minimize the damage to populated areas while still allowing it to kind of run roughshod over those unpopulated areas and do what it needs to do environmentally. Just drop a big low-pressure system in the yeah. middle of the ocean yeah. somewhere so it just sucks just it like, all hey, the Hang on, man. Let's let's pump the brakes. You can go this way. <laughs> wow. Leave the beach. I didn't think property. about that. That's a good point. I think that'd be the direction to take it. So you could direct it, uh, you know, with the realization we still need the hurricane, you could direct it in a, a path that's takes out any property sure. damage or any any people's lives or, or worst case scenario slow it down such that there's more time to evacuate this is true i'm better weaken it a little bit so yeah. it's not a category five it's just a two where right. it's just a bad rainstorm like, they would probably eventually yeah. over time after having years of this technology probably you know designate certain huge patches of land where you couldn't build or oh, live yeah. where they could you know constantly be a lot easier to regulate certain times during the year yeah you'd need like a crash site for these things like yeah same way we've got like toxic waste dumps and things like all right nobody go here everything here is horrible that's the designated horrible things area think of the insurance companies that go belly oh boy <laughs> you know what i have no sympathy for that no I mean, you're still going to need home insurance no matter what, but I, I imagine there's probably a, some kind of a tropical storm insurance like oh, if you're in I, Florida or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Here in Ohio, that's not much of a concern, but no. I'd be blown away if there wasn't 100,000 different ways to insure yourself against it. All for the low, low price of blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> Firstborn child. Yeah. I don't know. If any of our listeners have an answer to that, I'd be very curious uh, to yeah, know. Yeah, please let us know. I'm probably not going to look on my own esteem, but, you know, if, if you... <laughs> If you've uh, got the answer, let us know, please. You know, I don't know if it's too early in the conversation for this, but uh, you mentioning insurance. We kind of live in a world where if a promising technology threatens to disrupt an established revenue stream, you're going to get powerful companies lobbying against it. Do you think insurance companies, assuming they have enough muscle, 
would try and kind of kill this technology in the crib so it doesn't become that force that puts them under? It seems Ooh. like, at least in our country, the system kind of works such that if you have enough money and enough people yelling right. loud enough. If not the insurance company, someone else. You know, yeah. that's just the first one that came to mind since we were talking about storms. But I imagine there are so many different industries that this would affect. Yeah. That, you know, you'd probably have a whole slew of people trying to get it uh you know, voted out or whatever it would be. It'd be an easy argument, too. It's like, yeah. oh, we shouldn't play God, and you can play up to people's fears. And it, it, it wouldn't be a difficult fight, I don't think. But I imagine, for the sake of this conversation, we're assuming the technology is present and in use right? and has not been shot down. The insurance companies would have, like, a dark franchise where they can have mad scientists trying to make bad weather <laughs> yeah. so they could have all these problems for the people that don't See, have what insurance. can we do to disrupt this system yeah. <laughs> people hacking into the money. weather network yeah. and you know. oh my god they've hacked all our satellites <laughs> <laughs> what about farmers you know just thinking about uh people that would be affected by a big weather change the the regularity of weather i think that'd be a big deal for farmers a huge deal and you know Depending where you are, you could be on an extreme side of one scale or the other. You know, either, you know, maybe it's been decided that where your farm is is not going to be a prominent place for rain anymore. Yeah, and do you necessarily have a say in in how they zone these things out? No, you might get stuck just being pushed out of your own farming area. Just relying on Waiting for the rain to come would be like waiting for the snowplow to come by and push the snow out from in front of your house. And that's assuming (laughs) that it would even happen naturally on its own. And and this system wouldn't have such an effect. I mean, there's a limited amount of precipitation that can happen, right? Like what percentage of water in the world isn't frozen in the ice caps? There's only so much to go around. If we're pulling it all in one direction, I'd have to imagine there wouldn't be much left for the rest. Maybe that's a simplistic Mm. view of it. I didn't think about that. Well, I think, you know, I mean, so many... I don't know anything about the farming industry, so take what I say with a grain of salt, but... You know, a lot there's a lot of farmers that I think would fall to the wayside and probably lose their farms because if you can centralize the perfect weather to produce the perfect crops, this is going to be something that big industry is going to get in. That's on going that. to be controlled because you're guaranteed to make profit. Yeah. You know, there's no real big risk. Where right now, you know, the weather's so unpredictable. That you never know, you know, farmers, I think they sweat their asses off throughout the summer Mm -hmm. thinking like, oh, my God, please don't let the, you know, I have friends who are farmers. Please don't let the field flood. Please don't let it be too dry. One thing goes wrong and and invalidates a year's worth of backbreaking labor. Yeah, if you have a bad harvest, you know, you could spend the next year really scrimping and having to, you know, watch every dollar you spend versus come the next year where you get the perfect weather. So. I think that's why farming is left. Maybe there are big corporate farms. I'm sure there are. Oh, yeah. But um, it seems like there's still a lot of independent farmers that do very well for themselves. So I don't know how it would... Miss- it, on the surface, it seems like such a good thing. Like, oh, we can bring rain to areas of drought. You know, let's fix this whole issue in California and Nevada and Arizona, these places who are, like, chronically low on water. But... You go any deeper than the surface level, I can only see this as as being so tightly controlled. I mean, money's got to change hands for this to happen. Mm-hmm. No one's going to sit there and say, like, well, it's a little dry in uh, North Dakota this week. Well, let's give them some rain. No, someone's going to say, like, 
this state needs it more. This state's paying more. Here's how we're going to handle it. That's why I think it would be a state-controlled kind of thing. Hopefully by state, yeah. I would think. At the federal level or... Who knows? Maybe, you know, a whole new tax system. Yeah. Oh, my word. I didn't even think about taxes. That'd be brutal. With food, they could cordon off like a whole state, make that like a whole farming state, like take Arkansas, somewhere close to the Gulf where it'd be easier to get clouds moved in from there, maybe. They only just hit a million people in Montana. Let's go ahead and push them to other states. (laughs) You wouldn't even have to move them in, though. You You could create them. At the same yeah. time, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, anywhere could essentially be ideal. I don't know. I think a lot of nutrients in the ground that's good for crops, you know, as a, you know, a result of storms and irrigation, yeah. you know, yada, yada, all that stuff I am oh, and you know, not knowledge on. That's a good point because just raining on barren soil isn't going to be enough. No, no to for make like Montana, you'd have to take a little while to get it yeah. to be normal, fertile. That'd be like a big dust bowl all of a sudden just oh, up again. Yeah. I think a lot of farmers, while they work their fields, you know, they're busy, you know, pushing new nutrients back into the soil. Yeah. Because if you don't, you know, in, in I don't know, you just I, deplete it. Five to ten years time, you might just yeah deplete the soil. Be nothing. Soil. Left be nothing. It, yeah. yeah, it would really depend, wouldn't it? But I definitely think big business would get yeah. involved to a point where it push a lot of the little people this, out. This would seem like an initially good thing for farmers, but in the long run. It'd just be another thing they have to fight against, I think. Think being the key word there on both our parts, because, you know, who's to say? Right. (laughs) There's probably farmers out there thinking, oh, if only. I I would love to get a farmer's take on this. I would, too. Because there's a lot going on in that whole world, and I don't understand If we do a take, a part two to this, if we get enough feedback on this one. We need a farmer on. I've got some farmers I can bring in. Perfect. Yeah. Do farmers listen to podcasts? These farmers do. (laughs) They will. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, one thing uh, that I was also thinking, you know, we I commented on the snow right now. You know, I was concerned when you guys were coming over, like, man, there's snow falling. It I got hope, a little crummy. Yeah. I hope here and it stops soon, and it did, uh, for their drive home. Just the inconvenience of sliding off the road, taking forever <laughs> to get there. What if we could schedule, schedule uh, bad weather for certain times a day that we could— alter our schedules around it so almost like we know what's going to happen at some point yeah let's control when right so during the winter you know on tuesdays and thursdays at nine o'clock from nine to one o'clock it's going to snow like a son of a bitch that's interesting because you know you hear like weather advisory for such and such county so much snow estimate Mm -hmm. be more like weather advisory from 12 a.m to 6 a.m there's going to be heavy snowfall in these places (laughs) So I'd imagine, you know, you'd have like uh, probably your be- most of your bad weather directed during the nighttime. Yeah, so man. your daytime commute is clear. And But who's to say? Right. It'd be like down in Brazil because there's so many people and so many people have so many cars. And so many cars will fit on the ro- so many roads that they have to every certain day, depending on what your license plate number ends in, you can only drive on that certain day. <laughs> really? Yep. Wow. Wow. So like Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday and Friday, you, if you're three, five, seven, and you nine. You said that was a result of overpopulation? Yep. Wow. No, I did not know that. Yeah. It'd be That's a, crazy. almost kind of like the same thing. And you know, something just occurred to me too while you were saying that. This would, you know, being a state controlled thing, we're assuming, we'd have to vote on the weather probably. Oh, that's <laughs> a good point. Or at least count on would our be on the ballot. local representative. Yeah. 
He this, likes it snowing. This yeah. November 18th, vote sunshine. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm Senator such and such, and I'm for natural weather patterns. No more meddling. You know? Your stand <laughs> would so be boring. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it would so happen. Leave it to God. Hashtag leave it to God. When I was a kid, there was three feet of snow. I wanted to be here again. That's the natural way. <laughs> mm. Wow, you know, it, it kind of sucks that we have to look at all of these subjects through the lens of, like, the American political system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sort of taints everything for us. You have to, it. though, if you're going to look at it realistically yeah, from yeah. our perspectives. I mean, mm-hmm. where's the money going? Where's it coming from? I mean, from? we're not funding it. No. Not until these loyal listeners kick in a little more money. Then we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll totally Elon Musk this thing into oh, reality, I promise. I'd love you. to musk it up. I'll sell you a flamethrower. <laughs> Let's musk it up. Yeah. I like that. Sounds gross, but after the explanation, you know. ready or not, we're musking. We're musking. <laughs> Imagine if we regulated the weather to be all the stay the same, like all throughout the the states. We could designate one day a year of sunshine day. <laughs> well, if you think about here, it's humid and everything's green during like throughout spring and summer. Mm-hmm. Well, you cut down a little bit of rain, that's going to change a lot of stuff with the different foliage and stuff. Like oh that yeah. So essentially, we well, I mean, the seasons are dependent on the sun's low, you know, distance from the earth during that time of the year. So I think it, at least in the U.S., we cover enough area that it would be hard to do. But if you think of like a smaller country, like even like the U.K., they could probably say like the entire island will be this temperature today. You know, it's it's a small enough area. Germany, France, these little isolated places. Yeah. We might have more trouble just because we're so huge. And, of course, Alaska and Hawaii, they're on their own. <laughs> way off in the distance somewhere. Yeah. yeah. We forgot about them. I was going to say, though, you could turn the heat up in uh, Alaska. And... You could. And, you know, but... that, that brings me <laughs> to my next point. Tourism. Who wants to take a flight to Jamaica, shell out all that money, and then it's cloudy mm-hmm. and overcast? Only? Yeah. These places where the money is from people coming to visit, they're going to do everything in their power to ensure... That the weather stays it's paradise always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking like tropical destinations. You could sell a hotel package based on the projected weather, or rather, the scheduled weather. Not only that, but like think of like uh, I don't know how people cherish their football games. You know, you could make sure every football game has great weather. Or trying to think of other huge events uh, that would compare. I don't know. You get what I'm saying. Though. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. That would make it <clears throat> probably easier for like Jamaica because there isn't like the the tourist season where it's always nice. So there's an influx of people at a certain you know time of the year. Yeah, they might always. get a more even spread yeah. throughout because mm-hmm. that tourism's important for Jamaica, as I understand. Oh, I'm sure. There's, there's a lot of economic trouble there, but the tourism's what's keeping it afloat. Unfortunately, you know, no. I'm going to go off on a tangent about the economy in Jamaica. Let's just keep moving. Even for the lowly working man like ourselves, we'd be able to, we wouldn't have to schedule a vacation time when it was nice. We could just be like, yeah, we're going to go here. Kind of assume. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, like the, uh, what is the vacation season? I Typically, I think it's what, end of June to middle of August, something like that. Well, I don't know about August because that's when they had all those hurricanes just not too long ago. So maybe. But I mean, like prime weather. That's that's when people typically take their vacation, whether they're traveling or not. But yeah, if you could guarantee great weather wherever you're going. This February, I'm going to Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah. It's always sunny in Jamaica. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sun never sets. You know, that's one of yeah, our uh, biggest quips with driving up to like Putin Bay, say, because it's such a gamble being out in the middle of the, uh, not in the middle, but being on the lake, on Lake Erie, you know, the weather is so mm. unpredictable. Yeah. And when it decides it's going to storm, buddy, a Lake Erie storm it is, happens. Oh boy, it's not something you want to mess with. So it was rough when we first moved to Ohio because living in California, oh, it's a barbecue. Let's go to the lake this coming weekend. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you do that here, and all of a sudden Friday or Saturday rolls around and it's storming. Well, yeah. it wasn't supposed to do that in the beginning of the week. Yeah, well, there's no control in it. Yeah, what if though? <laughs> what if? <laughs> all right, what about parts of the world where hunger is an issue? If you could um, make it set weather patterns at such to where you know nutrients is supplied to the soil, enough rainwater is given to successfully grow uh, crops. It, it would take some. Some preparation, to do that, but yeah. I think given enough time, mm-hmm. it could certainly help, right? Anything to boost yield. You know, I think California would probably automatically be up to get more water because, I mean, don't they yeah. have like a huge channel system that they bring water in from miles away, like that directs rainwater to the city, like Los Angeles or something? I don't know how they do it. I know the whole gold mining thing kind of fucked up the land there because the way they were dredging it was just kind of eroding the land so much mm-hmm. it changed like uh river patterns and stuff so it's hmm. i think it's weird there the way they have water moving around yeah but if you i mean it's so dry that the forests are burning down at a crazy <laughs> yeah. rate yeah. so but um and you know I, it was just just this morning i was uh listening to something about the, the drinkable water crisis that's sort of assumed to begin here before too long, you know, and surely this would be at least part of a solution, right? Introduce rain to these areas that then again, you've got issues on the ground, I'm sure with, you know, how do you collect it efficiently? You know, who gets to keep it? But, but just, just being able to say it will rain right here mm-hmm. probably goes a long way to, to addressing a problem like that. So sure. a whole horde of people standing there, yeah, their aquafina waiting, bottles in right? the air trying to catch anything. <laughs> So it's safe to say that our world, no matter how little we decide to meddle, because we would have to to keep things the way we as close to the way we have them now, we'd have to interfere as little as possible, Mm -hmm. as little as possible. But even that little bit, I think, is going to affect the world in ways we can't imagine, especially over time. Okay, here's kind of an extension to, uh, you know, saying being able to control you know, where rain falls and the amount of vegetation we produce, let's say that enough new vegetation is produced that the O2 levels on earth over time, of course, are raised again because I mean, aren't over, over the years, like oxygen levels on the planet kind of, I think they, they sort of self-regulate to an extent. I mean, I guess what I'm thinking of is uh, we've talked before about like uh, overgrowth, maybe being an issue. Well, well I mean, cutting down the remember like the like in that. prehistoric times, like the size oh, of yeah. insects and animals that like mosquitoes were you know three feet big, <laughs> say, and that's a result of such a rich oxygen supply. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Am I right? Or am I no, wrong? you're, you're no, right. right. Yeah, okay. that's why so, so I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, over years and years and years of this, 
that could be a very long-term effect. The oxygen oh, very, content. very long-term, but maybe we could see uh, all species maybe start to get a little larger. Boy, what a what a fun side effect of this technology if spiders start getting steadily bigger. <laughs> I'm sure everyone. But we're getting bigger to... with them. Yeah, well, you know. But with maybe. creatures, it could have the opposite effect. Like, was it this year? I got poison ivy real bad, and when I was at the doctor's office, he's like, you know, they've been finding out that poison ivy is getting stronger. It's getting more potent. The leaves are getting bigger, which is a result of global warming because there's more carbon dioxide in the air. So plants are getting bigger and meaner right now. So it would probably even everything back out. I wonder if given enough time, the the size and strength of these plants consuming all of those chemicals will sort of be a, a regulator for the issue at work there. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like if, if, if we really messed up and we tweaked the weather one too many times, could we say like, okay, over the next 125 years, natural systems are projected to, you know, consume so much CO2 and produce so much oxygen. And Well, you know, we ignore shit like that today, so mm-hmm. there's no reason to assume <laughs> we would heed that. Why would we think about it then? Yeah, yeah. yeah this is true. Let's talk about military applications. Oh, I knew you would. Because that's the thing I like talking about the most. Uh, first thing that comes to mind is like easy on-demand cloud cover. And I thought about that. I actually thought of you and wrote a whole war section myself, <laughs> Jake. I appreciate the thought. <laughs> I think you're definitely correct in that. Um, not only being able to like use clouds as like covering enemy aircraft, but think about you know flooding where you know your enemy's oh, yeah. at. Or dropping some insane amounts of hail on where your enemy is at. It would be like Ooh. in football games during the winter. Some teams are used to being out west where it's not so cold. They go to a state where the temperature is freezing. And it's horrible and they play bad. Be the same way if we were doing any kind of war. Yeah, no one's ever conquered Russia because the Russians are the ones who can handle the Russian winter. Yeah, but we if could you could open take up that, that away magnifying from glass and just <laughs> hometown melt everything, is what yeah. you're saying. and if yeah. you're really going Sherman's March on it, you could desiccate their crops. Right? You could oh, kill wow. the rainfall over their major areas mm. of agriculture. But who's controlling? Said weather. So See, that's the whoever would have to be a pretty big schism where home, both sides have it. Home team has the advantage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're dropping war pamphlets on the enemy area saying it's like we will fully stop it from raining yeah. for the rest of your life. I mean, imagine trying to come in at night, you know, all stealthy and shit, and all of a sudden, like, I guess, I guess, light and dark wouldn't be part of weather, so we won't consider those. But you know, cloud covering just immediately yeah. eradicate, you know, goes away. It's clear as can be, and there you are. You, you know, generate cloud cover yeah, to prevent airstrikes and yeah. things, or War disperse would it. For drastically this. change, wouldn't it? It already has this huge effect on the environment. Yeah, it would only get worse. You know? <laughs> I mean, you think of places like in World War One, uh, parts of Europe that were shelled so heavily and horrendously, and filled with so many toxic gases and chemicals that the ground became. Just soup, just just a muck that would kill you more or less on contact. You introduce the ability to prevent the weather from restoring kind of the natural state of things. You're going to have these barren, war-torn landscapes that almost never heal. This would save us some ammo because you'd seed some pretty heavy clouds and just bombard the area with lightning. <laughs> yeah, there you go. If we can create hail, I wonder if we can create the shape of it. Probably not, because, I mean, I as it, so, as it falls, that's... it collects more water and yeah. it takes its own shape. But still, it would be pretty disruptive. If you I'd could imagine a... if you upped, you could turn up the size of them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we've, we've, I've seen golf ball size hail in my that's life. That's something so that occurs size. in nature. Yeah. So 
you could really mess some some people up, huh? A major electrical storm could play havoc with communications. Oh, yeah. You could isolate an enemy, you know, just by cutting off their ability to talk to the outside world. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning of the episode. Uh, you had mentioned when we first laid this concept on the table, you guys had said something about a real-world thought has gone into this yeah, about yeah. and had described that again. Um, what they, what they initially were saying. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little here cause it's been a little bit since I saw it, but something about, uh, uh, either a chemical agent or a series of like little independent devices that are released that, you know, spread the agent around that either helps water to coalesce to create rain or does something to disperse rain clouds. I think I was looking today. I think it goes both ways. Cause I guess, was it Barcelona during the Olympics one year, they did something to the clouds to make them dissipate. Huh. So it stayed nice during the summer games. Really? But then I think they can also pretty much seed the clouds. So they will absorb moisture. So they will cause rain. I think we have to assume unless there's some huge there information be, blackout campaign, then this is yeah. a pretty nascent technology. But there has to be actual clouds for them to be able right. to do they, they couldn't start with a blank slate and no. say, let's make it snow. Yeah. Okay, right. so something like this in the world we're talking about where weather is controlled on such a global scale could become a weapon of warfare. Easily. Let's say you're on you know, the enemy's ground. They have cloud cover. You could launch one of these things up to chemically remove their cloud cover and maybe even hinder them from putting new clouds in there for the time being as that chemical agent hangs. You could obliterate the them wind. with we snow. Gotta get that out of there. <laughs> yeah, snow. Freeze the country, prevent movement of supplies. I didn't think about that, yeah. yeah. Oh, think about naval warfare. If you could just send a storm in their direction, you wouldn't even have to fire a gun. Yeah, start capsizing capsize. Yeah. 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 Mm. Man, really, you know, the aircraft the... getting off because they'd be blown all oh, over dude. the place. It'd just like, be horrible. Oh, tornado, how'd that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Water spouts all over the place yeah. around the fleet. One thing I was thinking of: um, what about a new source of uh, clean energy? Oh, we could really we could... double down on the solar power. Well, not only that, but if we could uh, direct and harness lightning. You know, you can never know where it's going to strike. Maybe maybe that's not how electricity I, I, works, but... I would think whatever energy gets expended to create that situation, would it be inefficient? You know, like if you're using whatever resource, whatever chemical compound or aircraft that have to go up and release it or satellites that launch it from space, how many resources are you going to burn creating that situation versus how many you're going to collect... Source from the result well look at it like this we are already moving in a direction where windmills are being put up everywhere as clean True. energy <clears throat> these things are enormous and uh hindering people's uh views and putting shadows <laughs> on their house which destroying <laughs> flocks of birds <laughs> right but imagine if you could what if you could have like a strip like a long patch of land that uh, you built a whole strip of these things on, just butted up right on each other and as close as you can safely. And then you directed a constant heavy wind, like through, like a current through where they are at all times. You wouldn't need as, nearly as many of them, probably. Probably not. And, you know, I, I saw it was probably a prototype of some kind. It's a similar technology that uses the, the motion of waves to generate power turning that kind of kinetic energy into electrical energy. Um, I'd have to imagine if you can 
control the weather occurring above the ocean. You can kind of dial up or down the choppiness of the waves. Mm, sort of sure. same principle. Yeah. In that area, you could have a dedicated harvesting space for, for clean energy. Just assuming it's a pretty efficient process to change the weather. This is true. I mean, I mean there's a million ways it could be done, yeah. I'm sure. But um, I, I think we'd probably be easier... I don't know. It'd probably be a lot easier to go down that road. Yeah. You know, it'd be silly not to at least explore the possibilities. I don't know. I I think of all these windmills like putting and I could be wrong about this, but like, you know, putting a bunch of like Dixie cups out and hoping to catch rainwater. And, you know, (laughs) each one's only going to do a little bit depending on how what kind of wind comes at it. But if you can direct constant, solid, strong wind, I mean, that could be constant energy for a lot of people it's the difference between having your cup out in the rain or having it right under the gutter there you go well put thank you would that be an energy suck though to be able to because those windmills don't they harness the the energy to make power they don't expel energy to make wind you know what i mean no, I'm not saying the windmills would be blowing the wind. Oh, okay. That's I'm what saying I you were doing. no. I'm saying that we would direct Pick them our... all up the high, fellas. We're gonna have a hurricane coming. <laughs> we're gonna make Canada cool down a little bit. <laughs> no, no, but uh, yeah, just like the natural wind would be directed at this like line of miles and miles ah, and miles yeah, long windmill. If you could adjust the angle of you know. You could line the Mississippi with them. The Mississippi wouldn't be very attractive, but... No, but, you know, sacrifices have to be made. <laughs> That's the kind of scale I'm talking, though. Like yeah. he, anyway, you get what I'm saying. Well, if we already have the kind of megastructure or system of devices that can change weather, it's not far-fetched to think we'd have a place where a whole bunch of windmills can be put down at once. <laughs> I could have worded that a little better, but I hope the, the meaning is clear. Uh, you know, I think about, we kind of touched on the uh, wildfires earlier, but other natural disasters, you know, like uh, when New Orleans flooded so yeah. horribly, mm-hmm. you know, being able to have somehow controlled that. I mean, maybe we couldn't have, I don't know. Could have tried to divert it, weaken the impact, something, but... Yeah. What if we had a way to to weaken the storm before it got to to land? Yeah. If we couldn't like make it change directions like we were talking before, the tornadoes even. Yeah. Because those happen more random than like hurricanes, so yeah. those just show up out of nowhere. And you'd have a very limited time to react to that, yeah. right? Because they don't last long. Mm-mm. Yeah, I I'm, I can't imagine they're delivering too many beneficial. Nah, I feel like a tornado just kind of sucks. Yeah. They <laughs> shoot a, air, a missile that is just like a huge pulse of air it expels. So it just yeah. kind of shoot it at the, the uh, tornado. And Same just way you use dynamite to put out a fire. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It just kind of blows the, the pressure apart. So that, yeah, that's probably... Yeah, I like that. That'd be kind of cool. Right? Yeah. I want this weather machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a good uh, conversation. I, I enjoyed so. this one yeah. quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to have one things that I doesn't thought get about. immediately dark right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> this one's not bright, but it's not miserable. But I'm sure there's something we have forgotten or we've gotten wrong. And if we have, please let us know. Go to whatifpod.com. Let us know there or uh, on Twitter or on Facebook. All the powers that be. If we get enough feedback on this episode, we'll definitely record a follow-up and then uh, put that up. Like I, I am so excited for the day we do a follow-up yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. But we need your guys' help to do that. So, uh, again, just uh, feed us that info and we'll get it done. But I think that's going to do it this week. So I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Jack Doherty. And we'll see you next time we decide to ask, what if? What if?
If you have a comment to add to the conversation or an idea for a future episode, we'd love to hear from you. Go to whatifpod.com and let us know. You can also find us on Twitter at WhatIfSeries and Instagram and Facebook at WhatIfPDCST. New episodes of What If are released every other week for free wherever podcasts are found and every other opposite week on Patreon. For $5 a month, you can get access to these Patreon-exclusive episodes and make your What If experience a weekly one while supporting the show. You can also show your support by subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. It helps more than you know. Thanks so much for listening. This has been a Canned Air production. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.